The Kansas City Chiefs are implementing plan B along the offensive line. Donovan Smith joins the team. Why, when, how, and where today on Locked On Chiefs? From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It's Locked On Chiefs on a Friday with a little bit of news that we thought we might have settled down. A new guy in town along the offensive line. What does that mean for this group? I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, the home of the Athletic Matrix, where you can still get that over at RogueAPC.com, as well as NFL33.com and RGR Football. Thanks for making us your first listen. Make sure you check another Locked On show for your next one. There's news all over the league here right now, as well as all the national shows, so check them out. You can find them for free on every platform, starting with YouTube and trickling on out. So make sure you like, sub, and hit the bell on this one. And I'm Chris Clark from Chiefs Corner. There's a lot to talk about when we start looking at minicamp and what is it going to mean for this team and how things are going to move forward. Yeah, uh, minicamp is going to be fun. A lot of invites. We're going to get to those later in the show. But the big thing that came down on Thursday, I'm sorry, on Wednesday night, was the signing of a veteran offensive tackle after having just kind of gotten off the press conference from Brett Veach about how what it's going to look like with Jamal Taylor on the left-hand side. And Wanye Morris on the right-hand side. Well, now that plan has been flipped upside down. There is a vet in town with the potential to make, quote-unquote, air quotes if y'all aren't watching on YouTube, up to $9 million for Donovan Smith, former Buccaneer, to play left tackle. That's where he's always played. Juwan Taylor has always played right. lot of little wrinkles here, but let's start with the contract because I know for you, you're probably twitching a little bit, not knowing what the numbers are and the up to phrase has got to make you nuts. Well, the up to phrase makes me nuts a little bit, but it also makes me wonder what they're really doing here. It's really going to depend on the structure of the contract to really know how it's going to play out and what they really think. Nate Taylor reported after the signing that the Chiefs are expecting him to be a starter. If that's truly the case, it doesn't matter if they pay him the full $9 million or not, which they don't have the cap space to do right now. It's still a bargain at that position. Yeah, and that's fair. And this is something we talked about when he came up on the free agent market. And it was a surprise release. We talked about the fact, gave up a lot of penalties, a good number of pressures and sacks last year. He was hurt the entire season, both uh, with at least a temporary lower body and certainly at the end of the season with uh, a bow extension. Uh, was not able and, and looked honestly fairly uh painful to watch him try to block with his upper body there late in the season for the Tampa Bay Bucks but the other critical thing is that he is supposedly healthy and this is a guy with a lot of experience so taking a gamble on this especially if you have something that keeps you from possibly not having to pay the full nine million how does that sit for you I feel pretty good about it I think that the other thing that needs to be thought of in this aspect is the reason that they waited until now is because not only is the draft over but now picks do not now pickups do not account against the compensation pick formula. So Kansas City could still be in line for a compensation pick uh, potentially in the future. Just it's not going to hurt their chances of getting a comp pick because they signed Donovan Smith. So something to look at there as well. I think when you really get down and look at the nitty gritty of the details, that's really what's going to tell you what they really think about this signing. To me, I would imagine that it has to be something that's not likely not likely to be earned incentive just because Kansas City doesn't have the cap space. Yeah, they could give him a million or two, but that doesn't give them anything to do their rookie deals. And I would imagine a lot of those rookie deals are about to get done this weekend. So curious to see how they do this. 
and, and what their plan is there. Yeah, I'm looking for an announcement there. In terms of why do it now, let's let's explore that for a minute because I think I have to say out loud that this tells me that the draft did not go the way the Kansas City Chiefs had hoped. And that's nothing against Wanya Morris. I think he was probably the guy that they really did want in the third tier, the fourth tier, because they struck out trying to get to guys in day one that they were unable to. We heard quite a bit of noise about nobody wanted to trade with them. They were unable to move up. They they sought it. They worked at it. They tried to move down. The value wasn't there. So at that point, with Felix and Adike Uzama being much higher on the board overall, but the top tier tackles having gone, you had to go edge. And then you try to come back in the second and the third and get a, a value tackle that you think can grow into something. That doesn't mean that that's a bad mark against Juan A. Morris at all. I think it honestly allows him to grow into a role a little bit more. He does have some things to work on, and I've outlined that uh, at NFL 33 as well as in the, the draft guide that you guys can still pick up if you need to. Does that bother you that this appears to be a plan B situation we're sitting in right now? No, I think it's smart planning on their part. I think, you know, you can want a position all you want. If you're not able to get moved up and you're not able to go get somebody and you don't want to overpay, which I don't blame them for not wanting to overpay. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. If they really wanted a left tackle, are any of these left tackles going to be a generational type talent at that position? That's what you would be willing to maybe overpay for. If they're not, you don't want to give up more value than you absolutely have to. And I can understand not wanting to give up uh, the capital it would have taken to go get one of those premier tackles uh, in this draft. They really, they're good, but I don't know that they're going to be great. That's a fair point. And I'll tell you this, I'm reading this as the best of a bad situation, maybe for the second time in a row and what it means overall. We're going to talk about on the backside of this, but first a note from our pals. And I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Bill Bar. We have been talking about Bill Bar for years, and they are absolutely delicious. If you have not tried them yet, you need to try these bars. What makes Bill Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. Yes, that is real dark chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Bill does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy for you. Only 130 calories and four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't even need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been telling you, go to Built, get Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at Sam's Club or Walmart. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream. Sorry, cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank us later. And don't forget, you can still get specialty flavors of Built Bar at Built.com. So what I think this says is that this is two times by my count that the plan hasn't come together for Brett Veach and he had to go to his backup plan. This is exactly what happened when Orlando Brown became a Kansas City Chief. Let's be real. The goal was to get Trent Williams. They couldn't get that deal done, and they had to go to their second-best option. That was Orlando. Clearly, we've seen that play itself out. He's in a different city now because long-term, it wasn't enough value there. I think this is a similar situation where you tried to move up, you tried to move up, you had targets you wanted to get. 
Uh, I have my feelings about who that likely was. In the end, it really doesn't matter because they weren't able to do it. So this is the fallback position. Take a rookie that you feel you can develop and grow into something and patch the Band-Aid over with a veteran for the temporary time being to get through this season and keep Patrick protected. Does that feel like the same thing to you, or do you see it differently? No, I see it about the same, but I would also say that I think that this also means it's Donovan Smith is likely the left tackle, and they're going to keep Taylor at right tackle. I don't see them switching both guys' positions in the same year. I don't think that's a, a, a very good idea on their part. Uh, is it potentially possible? Yeah, it's potentially possible. I just think that they're going to have Donovan Smith play left tackle, and Taylor is going to be the guy that maybe moves over to left tackle if something happens to Smith. Uh, but I do think Wanye is, has a potential to be their swing tackle. And I also wonder if they believe that maybe in a year's time he is able to step into that left tackle role and be that guy for them after a year in the system and learning the system and learn and being in a you know NFL weight room. Yeah, and that's a fair point. Uh, I would like to see that happen. I will say this now, and I'll go out on a limb, and you guys can remember that I said it five days after the 2023 draft. I think the Chiefs have a target in mind for the 2024 draft for the left tackle spot. I think they need to float themselves to make sure they protect Patrick until they can get that selection made. And maybe next year it is all out. Maybe it is multiple picks that we know they don't want to give up, but they feel they have to after their experience this year in what I believe is going to be a lesser class overall compared to the 2024 class. We'll find that out. But the other thing that it leads to is that now the battle is not for a starting position, because I agree with you, flipping uh, Taylor and Smith, who are the best two tackles on this roster right now, makes no sense to do that at the same time, especially with Smith coming off some significant injuries. So the question becomes, where is Lucas Niang health-wise? We know that Wanya Morris needs some development time. That's perfectly fine. But that's what the battle is for, is for the swing spot, right? Do you think that's actually a battle is my question. It's hard to know. And I say that because Niang was healthy enough to play last year in limited snaps, but not healthy enough to try to even, you know, unseat Andrew Wiley, which didn't I didn't ever expect considering the injury he was coming back from. Uh, Kansas City usually likes to pick their offensive linemen and stick through the stick with them as long as they're not doing horribly. So that didn't shock me. But I do think that you have to wonder with Niang, is this his last year on the roster? Is he going to be gone when training camps is over? And I say that mainly because, or I guess when the preseason is over, I say that mainly because he's a third-round pick that hasn't panned out so far. And they have to decide whether or not they trust that he can pan out over a guy like Prince Tenenwit. Other than Prince, I'll put it, I'll just put it that way. Tego always mess up. Yeah, I always, <laughs> I always mispronounce his last name. Um is going to be a better option for them as their fourth tackle because they're going to have four tackles on the roster. That's just the way Andy Reid works. That's just the way this team works. They're more than likely going to have four guys on the roster and they're not going to get rid of Morris. And you already have Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor. So who's going to be the fourth? Yeah, I, I think the writing is on the wall for Prince. I, I don't see how he makes this roster because you're not cutting ties with a third round pick over an undrafted rookie free agent. I think you could if if Niang still isn't ready. If they don't feel like he's ready this year, I think they could. Okay. I find that a, a terrible long shot, to tell you the truth. Um, I'm and, not saying it's – Unwise investment. 
Oh, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying if they don't think that he's going to be healthy enough to actually help them in the season, it doesn't help them to keep him. That's that's where I'm coming from. That's that's fair. If he literally is not going to be available, that's that's the only thing that I think could save Prince here uh, to the 53. Practice squad, of course. Uh, and obviously, there's going to be a couple of guys here uh, that start this weekend in rookie camp that they brought in to see what they might have to offer. We're going to run them down here in a couple of minutes. But at the end of the day, this is about protecting Patrick and having four viable tackles, at least of, as of right now, is better than the situation they were in two days ago. And I know that there's some concern that they didn't do what they said that they were going to do. And they said they were going to put Taylor on the left-hand side. And that's all smoke and mirrors and gamesmanship to make sure that you're able to go do what you need to do. Uh, I don't I don't count that against anybody in the front office for having led us one direction and coming back the other. That's part of playing this game when you're trying to put together championship rosters. Um, we always thought that was going to be the case, though. <laughs> I mean, I always felt that was going to be the case. I never thought Taylor was going to be written in stone at left tackle, personally. So you're you're not one of the folks uh, thrown off by, uh, hey, you said one thing and now we have another new tackle in town. No, I think that it makes a lot of sense. I think they wanted to go get left tackle. They weren't able to get their guy, and this is their backup plan. And to me, it makes sense to go that direction. And you leave Taylor where he is one of the best tackles in the NFL at that position at right tackle, and I think he truly is one of the best guys in the NFL at that position. And you have four of the five spots. Very, very solid. And the question is your left tackle in Donovan Smith. That's way it's going to be. Yeah, it's going to give you some options. A veteran option, uh, a mid-veteran option if you flip Taylor over, and then a, a rookie who has played left tackle. Let's be real. I don't think he's anywhere near that for the, the NFL, but that's a different story. Now, there are some wild cards. Those are some guys that are coming in as UDFAs and rookies. They're coming to camp right now. You should see them over the weekend. We're going to talk about their names and who to watch for right after this. So as we start, we might as well hit into the offensive line group because there's three interesting names there. Quentin Barrow from Grand Valley State, Hardy Anderson from Appalachian State, and then Jerome Carvin, who should be an interior guy, but you never know with them. Uh, <laughs> you could try to see them flip guys around. Uh, formerly of Tennessee, has some experience, uh, has quite a bit of experience, to tell you the truth. Uh, those are the three names on the offensive line that I think we should be watching for this weekend to see if they have anything to offer going into training camp. Can they make the 90-man training camp roster? Yeah, that's going to be a big question. And uh, there's going to be some guys that come in this weekend that are going to be headed to training camp with Kansas City. And then there's going to be guys that are signed right now that probably won't be headed to Kansas City just because that's the way it seems to work every year. Some of the UDFAs don't work out near as well as some of the invite players. Something to watch there when you start looking at the offensive linemen. I mean, we've already talked about it a lot. They're probably going to have four offensive tackles. You know that they're going to keep Allegretti and Kennard. So the question really becomes, you know, how many more are you going to keep? That's up to nine already on the offensive line without talking to anybody else. Yeah, I mean, and there's going to be Allegretti so that you're going to add depth there. Frank, uh, Frank Caliendo, sorry. Mike, Mike Caliendo is still on the roster too. Uh, a guy that I thought had a, a good preseason last year and could be rising towards trying to snab uh, one of those interior backup spots. There's Darian Kennard, who a few days ago we heard was going to be working in a tackle. I think that dream is over at this point. Uh, with the addition of Smith, it's got to be guard reps, I think, completely for Kennard. We'll see what happens with him. Um, one of the few guys from this last draft class that didn't get a chance to participate early. But there are plenty of other names coming in and other positions 
that I find interesting. Uh, we're going to run down the list and see what stands out to us of the camp invite guys, the guys that are a little bit longer shot even than the UDFAs, but might bring something. Who's going to be battling? Um, does it shock you that there's a punter coming to town from Rutgers? Nope. Okay. When it comes to any of these mini camps, it doesn't shock me anything, anybody they bring in. And it's mainly because they have to have a full team. So to be bringing in a punter doesn't, I don't think it has anything to do with Tommy Townsend. It's just they're trying to have a full practice and this is their way of doing it. Uh, I think my favorite name on the list is uh, one of the camp QBs. Holy Cross is Connor Degenhart, uh, straight out of Game of Thrones in terms of naming convention. So I kind of dig that one. Uh, Arkansas safety Joe Fauci is going to come in. You may have seen him play some special teams for uh, the Razorbacks. Was a guy that would come in when Catalan went off the field. Catalan has since moved on to Texas A&M, but uh, you've seen him on the field a little bit. Uh, who stands out to you as possibilities in the invite list that we need to keep an eye on? Well, if you're talking just overall guys that you'd be looking at, uh, not necessarily just invites, uh, Denair Prince, I think you're looking at running back. Um, you know, really, it's going to be difficult to make the rosters in a, a UDFA this year. Uh, tight end is probably going to be a position that maybe you could find a spot for somebody. Uh, running back would be another. Uh, I don't think the QB is really going to have a chance. So you're looking at mainly defensive linemen, maybe a linebacker, but they're awfully deep at a lot of positions right now. That's fair. Uh, and for those of you that are super concerned, uh, I know you Mizzou fans are looking forward to seeing Jake Hoffman out there. I don't know that James Winchester is too nervous at this point. I just want to let you guys know that he will be out there, but you got you to take what you can get. Uh, Northern Arizona corners coming in, Alonzo Davis. Uh, he has good speed and uh, can get off the ball. I think that's interesting. Uh, the kind of like uh, H-back type, like you were mentioning, uh, tight end. Um, that's the Virginia Tech guy, uh, Connor Bloomrick, who did not have a draftable grade, but was a UDFA priority UDFA on my on my list. So the fact that he slipped a little bit farther than that, I think is because of uh, functional strength. But uh, in the role that I think they might look for him, it might offer something. There's like seven uh, Ivy League guys coming in. A couple guys from Harvard, including the running back, Aiden Borgett. Uh, we know about Truman Jones, the edge rusher. I am really intrigued to see him. He's probably the, one of the guys that I want to get the most feedback on because uh, I heard good things coming out of his visit on the 30-visit uh, group. That was interesting. A Brown running back named Alan Smith. I don't know anything about him because I've never seen Brown film in the last three seasons of All-22. So that will be a new one to me. Yeah, it's going to be definitely something to watch. I think there's going to be a lot of players. Minicamp is so – rookie minicamp is so hard to really get a grasp on because you don't have any of the veterans there. You have guys that are going to be going against other rookies. You get an idea as to where they are against other rookies, but you don't have really any feel for how they're going – how they would be going against veterans, which is really going to be the determining factor of whether or not they're going to have a chance at even making the roster – uh, in a couple of months, but whether or not they can actually, you know, help when it comes to training camp is another big question as well. Agreed. Um, for locals, um, K-State corner uh, Eco Boyedo is coming into town. Another uh, Missouri Tigers coming into town. Uh, Martez Manuel will be there as well. I'm just looking down this list. Uh, a second Fresno State, uh, Fresno State wide receiver prospect. Zane Pope is coming into town. Uh, Merrimack. Haven't seen a Merrimack player in quite a long time, so that's a new one. 
You've got, uh, again, going back to the offensive line, kind of like taking this full circle. Um, it, it is Quentin Barrow from Grand Valley State and Hardy Anderson in particular uh, from App State that I'm really interested in because they're guys that I think have enough athleticism in the offensive line spot. Maybe they can carve out their their chance to compete. And they do need a lot of camp bodies here. So I, I'm interested to see if anybody from this particular weekend uh, does get the camp invite and is able to row in the OTAs and, and show what they have to offer. Yeah, it's always something interesting to watch is how the roster changes between now and when camp is over. How many guys did they sign that they had in for invites? Right now, I don't even know how many roster spots they have available on the 90-man, to be completely honest. And we haven't even talked about the fact that Kansas City is getting a guy from Nigeria, uh, part of the international program. Uh, They will have him this year. He is going to be an offensive lineman. And I, I do want to be clear. I don't believe he's going to be a guy that could challenge for a roster spot, but he is a guy that can get an exemption to be on the practice squad and is able to be eligible to be brought up to the active roster if they think he's good enough. So it is out there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then there's the, the the stalwarts, the guys that I think really do have a chance to make something and get a chance at, at getting on to at least a camp roster. Um, that does include Cam Jones, the, the highest paid of the UDFAs. Uh, we mentioned Carvin, Nico Remigio, a uh, kick returner, uh, Reese Taylor from Purdue, the corner. A couple of guys that can play teams can give you that that aspect that you have to have if you're going to make a roster as a, as a non-drafted guy. There are some options out there. So this weekend will be the first step in going forward. We'll see who they bring back next week, and OTAs are just around the corner as well. So a lot going on to see who gets to be a Kansas City Chiefs for training camp. Yeah, a lot going on, a lot to talk about come Monday when we get into what happened at rookie minicamp and how, and when we start looking at this roster and who's going to be on the roster, what's their next moves. Uh, at some point you would think that they're still going to need to do redo Chris Jones's contract. You would think that that would still be something that's coming in the, in the next couple months may not happen until right before training camp, but still probably something they're, they're working on. One of the things I thought that was really interesting, Warren Sharp put out a tweet earlier and I think Patrick Mahomes has the highest cap, hit in the NFL in 2023. Uh, but the Chiefs, I think, are the only team that have two in the top 10. And Chris Jones is also there at 28 million, a little over 28 million right now. So I would think that that's something that they would like to get done. Yeah. My heartburn's flaring up just as you said that. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> let's see what happens. We will have more for you on Rookie Camp next week on Monday. We'll break that down for you. Then we're going to start taking a look at where the position battles are going in OTAs. And we all know that we've seen things in OTAs that have led us down uh, one path. I think the wide receiver group is going to be really, really intriguing. We're going to go over them next week as well. So make sure you get subbed here on YouTube or any of the audio platforms because we're five days a week, year-round, all the time, no matter what. Thank you for spending your time with us. Check out the rest of the Locked On lineup. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday.